I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Live from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. This week, Jim Rats and Joints welcomes... Assistant coach for the Charlotte Hornets and Team Canada, Nathaniel Mitchell. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Welcome to the show. We are in downtown Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's Wednesday, October the 28th as we record episode 14, Jim Rats and Joints. Uh, I got Andy Routens here. I got Javon Shepard. And we have a very special guest on our pre-Halloween, pre-U.S. election episode Hopefully it will not be too scary today, but we we are thrilled to be joined by Charlotte Hornets assistant coach Nathaniel Mitchell, um, Canadian, Torontonian, and yet another example of somebody who is making it in the NBA out of Canada. Uh, coach Mitchell, so awesome to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, AR. Thanks, Javon. Um, great opportunity. <laughs> well, it's good to have you here, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's great to see my guys, Shep and AR, reconnecting with people who they've worked with th- throughout the years in basketball as professional players, college players. You, you never know um, who goes back with who. Mm-hmm. I, I, why don't I start out by asking you, uh, Coach? What are what are some of your connections to these two guys on the court and maybe off the court as well? Um, I mean, basketball just in general just brought all of us together, um, just different routes. I, I played against Javon in high school. I'm not going to say how my high school career ended. Cause <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was going to make sure we got it. <laughs> Wouldn't be a good story. Um but just just competing, you know, being one of the better players in the city, competing against him, always known against, um, you know, where we can get runs in in the city. Um, and then, you know, for Andy, just coming back once these guys became pros, um, coming back in the city and, and looking for a place to work out. Mm-hmm. I was so tight with Javon and Javon playing with Andy on the national team, mm-hmm. um, along with Jermaine Anderson. And those guys, they all came back to start working with me as I was getting into that field of training player development um really wanting to coach um so that was the platform that they gave me to be honest to get better um kind of gave me confidence to be doing what i'm doing today so shep i want to follow up a bit on this uh high school rivalry i I didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't know about that um Nathaniel didn't want to mention it. I'll get right to it. Matt just hit behind the mic real quick. <laughs> <laughs> also, explain to me after the story, 
what how you become friends and how you become close with someone who I'm imagining you competed very fiercely against. Well, first of all, he not went to a school. They uh, something like Oakwood, I think they call it some bullshit like that. But <laughs> yeah, we, I was obviously we, you know you guys know you're f- pretty familiar with West Hill Collegiate produces some of the best uh, talent out of the city, which we, you know that's to be said. We we see that here, but um, <laughs> but no, you know you know Nat and I have obviously competed against each other for you know, some years in high school and just you know, grew into that, that relationship grew into, you know, somebody that's a a close friend and, and, um, you know, somebody that was really helped me develop even in my, my pro career. I know, you know, at first it was, it was tough. You know, I remember the first time Nat had approached me on coming to work out. I think we're at some function that maybe, I think it was Eastside Mario's or some restaurant like that. And for me, it was tough to really accept it or just say, okay, this is the guy that was competing against and now I'm going to be training with him. And I think that's also, you know, the, the basketball landscape in Canada is a, a bit fragmented in that sense because a lot of people don't want to work out with, you know, this guy, that mm-hmm. guy, or this person. I'm this person's, you know, guy and so forth. And everybody's kind of sticks in their own lane. For But, you know, and that was persistent. Like he had an agenda and he had a goal in mind. And eventually, you know, we crossed those lines and, you know, iron sharpens iron. So, you know, the rest is history. And I, I always say this, and he, he doesn't like when I touch on it, but, you know, there's... There's a humility side to him and a work ethic. Like he's always said, you know, I'm gonna be a head coach in the NBA. And I, I remember first starting up when we first started out, he Nat used to ride his bike to come to, and we used to go to Falstaff to go work out. And at this point, you know, he's not getting a dime from it, but he's waking up at six, seven o'clock in the morning to, you know, go train the likes of uh, Andy, uh, likes of Jermaine Anderson, Denim Brown, and it's like, you know that just to see that passion, to see that, that unfold and that, that dream that, that, and it's still, you know, we're still writing that. He's still writing that, writing different pages in his mm-hmm. book, but just to see that unfold, like I, I can't say enough about that. Well, you, you love to hear it. it. It's, it's so cool to hear not only of the, the connections that, that go back to high school, but to see the fruits of your labor, how hard you have worked um, to become a, to become a coach. And, you know, the, the sky is clearly the limit for, for where you're going. You know, Shep, you mentioned that uh, there's a, like a fracturing of players here and there, and some yeah. people don't want to work out. And and I think some of that is because uh, the high school system, for as big a country as Canada is, there's really only a handful of, of basketball schools. Now, th- this is where I bring you in, Andy, because you were playing high school ball in the States, mm-hmm. but you would start, um, when you started playing for the national team, mm-hmm. you would now be spending your time on courts uh, in in Canada, in mm-hmm. Toronto. So what was it like for you, you know, breaking into that world where all these guys kind of knew each other mm-hmm. already? Mm-hmm. And you're you're kind of the outsider yeah, to that. Yeah, for sure. And, and how does it, someone like Coach Mitchell bring you into that? Well, I definitely felt like an outsider initially. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I did establish relationships with guys such as Shep, um, you know, on the national team, but you come to Canada and it's a much different landscape than the States in terms of gym availability, um, you know, personal trainers who you want to, you know, spend your time with, who can help you hone your craft. Um, and I met Nat, I, w- I want to say maybe 
2015, something like that. Yeah. And when we were working out over at Humber Lakeshore, yeah. the national team About just uh, decided to rent out Humber Lakeshore. And, and that was a huge advantage for Canadian players because we had a spot finally where we could work out in the summertime while being in the city. Together. Together, and exactly. Yeah, and, and, that, and that kind of spearheaded that movement. I mean, he was in the gym. I'd get there at, I want to say, eight or nine, and he had been there for two sessions prior to. And, you know, as soon as you meet Nat, you get this feel about him. Like, he's 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 a great, humble guy, but he's about his business. And, and once you start your workout, it's no bullshit. Um, he has an agenda for the day. Like you said, he's very goal-oriented. Um, and, and those are the type of guys you want to work with. I um, mean, it's, it's, you know, his proof is in the pudding, working with guys like Shai Gilchrist and, 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 and uh, um, you know, even RJ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, RJ of, put in a lot of working with RJ. A lot of guys so have got, really surpassed where we for sure. could have even imagined. Absolutely. That. And I wish we got to work, you know, with right. much sooner than we did. Because I'm sure that we would have, you know, ultimately wound up in, in better positions. But um, to have Nat here, you know, spearheading that movement and, and to where he is now is, is a real credit to his work ethic and uh, where we see Canada basketball going in the future. Now, now let me ask you, Coach, um, it sounds like you were – I'm sure you enjoyed this work and you knew you were paying your dues as you were doing it. So you kind of have the best of those two worlds. At what point did you realize that the work you were putting in did have you on a path towards the NBA? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, like, even, like the NBA was never... I didn't know how much I was going to be in close or close to being a head coach, I, I was so focused on NCAA initially. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a head coach in NCAA. Because um, you were a grad assistant at uh, Fresno, right? I was a grad assistant right? at Fresno State, but right. that was my first entry level there. And um, that summer, I actually had gotten an opportunity to uh, work with the national team just volunteering right after that. Um, and that was the junior national team, which Roy Randall was the head coach. And Scott Morrison was the actual assistant coach and they they were doing two a days and i would i would literally help out in practice rebound do whatever i had to do and then in between the sessions which mm-hmm. was a lunch session like you know Javon Jermaine uh Junior and these guys were coming into Humber i would work them out and then just roll over into the second team session and kind of like that Scott kind of saw me do my work on court with these guys and said hey man like if i ever get an opportunity i'd really like to talk to you about coaching in the G League level and that, and that um, nature. And coincidentally, he got a head coaching job literally a month and a half later in Maine um, with the Celtics team um, and offered me the job. Wow. So I went from like working guys out in the gym to being a grad assistant one year, and then the next direct year I was an assistant coach in the G League. Was that a tough decision for you to make? Yes, initially, because I thought that my first thought process was, man, look, all these young ca- kids that I've gained relationships with, I'd be able to recruit them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, yeah. I'd be able to recruit them in college. That's an like, easy pipeline. Yeah, <laughs> easy. It, it was easy for yeah. me. I mean, I was I was working with so many kids, especially born in 1998, 1999. Um, and I was like, man, in a couple of years, I'm going to really be able to recruit some of these kids. And then another, again, and then it was like, uh, I remember like Andrew Nemharts and RJs, they were still like sophomores young in boys. high school. Oh, yeah. Just like, Hold on, there's a there's a path here in terms of I don't I don't have to necessarily get them, but there's a possible connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so my head coach at the time, Rodney Terry, um, was telling me, "Hey man, when you get opportunities to work in the NBA, 
you got to take them. You can always come back down to college. You don't. You can't always go up to the NBA. There's just less jobs, less opportunity. And as a black man in this business, you got to take what you can get mm-hmm. um, and try to move up with all the power that you can move with. Mm-hmm. with. And um, not to mention that, all the nepotism and favoritism mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so he just, I mean, he he really pushed me to do it. And I sat there and I said, I mean, the money at the time wasn't even an issue there. I didn't really make any money in Maine, to be honest. And I was like, you know what, I'm. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the jump start that kind of helped me make that decision to make the jump. Mm-hmm. And while I was in Maine, it was when my whole brain switched. Like, <laughs> Hold on. I'm actually okay. And I think I can start making an impact at, you know, the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Well, f- for the record, coming out of a Toronto high school, I would have taken a scholarship to Fresno State. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been for computers. Right. So Paul I'll, George is a Fresno State guy, isn't he? Yep, Paul George. He had some uh, dogs come out of Tyler Fresno Johnson, State. Johnson. Yeah. Um, Greg Smith was Tyler in there. Johnson. And uh, Paul Watson for the Raptors, a two-way guy. He was actually my roommate. Really? Oh, no kidding. He wow. was my roommate. Yeah. When yeah. he was a freshman, we were roommates at Fresno By chance, State. Right? As a, gra- as a grad assistant. Wow, wow. Um, and just to see him, now he's playing for the home team. It's kind of cool. Absolutely. Because we always used to talk about you know, like Toronto and stuff. That's a small nice. world, man. It's actually funny. Like, I harp on it a lot where relationships are concerned and, you know, the, the game of basketball. I think AR, we're always going back and mm-hmm. forth about this. So just even hearing that story and how it comes around full circle. Basketball is a tight-knit community, yeah, man. Yeah, it's really yeah. tight-knit community. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, whenever we have a, we've had a guest on, on this show, I mean, everybody knows there's always overlapping there there is the 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 connections that that kind of old school network are just they're so there so we we've established that i i i see your path in college i see your path in the g league but then you get the job assistant coach charlotte hornets and like you said when you when the nba comes calling you got to take it um tell us as you know a bunch of other canadian guys in this room how how you got that job how did it happen well, um, to be honest, I was literally talking about this the other day. Uh, as soon as I had my three years with the Raptors, 905, you know, we had really good years, including a championship run and uh, a runner-up run as well. And following that year, after the whole coaching change that happened here in Toronto, um, Nick Nurse was appointed the head coach. I actually got offered a job with the Toronto Raptors that summer, like right after it. Um, and this was like a development situation of development position to help the players on court. It wasn't really on bench, but it was a step towards the NBA. Now, was this the, was this the year that I went to training camp with the Raps? Because no, I remember you that being the there. Year, the year before. This was what, 2017? Oh, yeah. 2017. 2017. So that was the year before you were doing some kind of interim work with the Raptors. Yeah, so I was in, like, in the summer, I'd work with the Raptors. Okay. Throughout the year, I was with the Raptors 905. Right. But then, when the coaching change happened, which yep. was literally last summer, mm-hmm. I got, or two summers ago, 2018, right? They, I got the opportunity to work with um, the staff in the summer league, mm-hmm. and I got offered a position. Gotcha. Um, and so at that point, I was like, okay, this is a position to go in the NBA. Um, at the same time, my brain is thinking, I need NBA. I need head coaching experience. Um, I need bench experience. I need to make sure I'm still doing scouts and things and keeping sharp. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of torn torn on do I move up to the NBA? Um, Not to mention that they ended up winning a NBA championship. (laughs) (laughs) Or do I stay with the G League and and still do scouts and have more responsibility? Because at the end of the day, you're you're about 
advancement? What what position is going to put you with the most growth? Um, or looking for other head coaching jo- opportunities in the G League. And um, with a great front office, they allowed me to kind of wait on it and search out those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I can't thank them enough for it. And literally, a head coaching job in, in Charlotte gets filled. They hire Jay Triano, mm-hmm. who I worked for Jay Triano with the national team, who gave me an opportunity as a volunteer guy. And he mentioned my name to them, and they came calling, offering me a job on a, in a bench situation. Um, and when I talked to everybody in our organization, uh, with the Raptors organization, and even Nick, he was like, "Listen, man, that that's a big jump. You you got to take that. Your league now, yeah. Um, yeah. And so with that position and with your title as an assistant coach in the NBA, uh, it's big. Uh, I, I ran with it. It was a great opportunity. Um, it's been really good with the development and the pieces I've been able to play over there, play with over there. Um, but yeah, that's how it kind of went down. Do you ever look back at all and think, what could I have possibly changed on route, or would you have done anything different? Considering now that the the, the Raptors had won a championship that year, is there anything you would have on path changed? Um, n- no. Um, I mean, I think winning winning a championship is everything. It's really hard to get to. Um, I mean, how many people play in this business for a long time and say they can win an NBA championship? But at the same time, for me and my advancement in my career, you, you need to try to find ways where you're going to move up. What is closest, the closest way to becoming a head coach? If that was being a head coach in the G League, and what you see now are uh, a plethora of coaches mm-hmm. with G League head coaching experience. Kurt Snyder, um, my, Nick Nurse, Nate Bjorken just got one. Bjorken. These guys all coached in the G League at some point Jason as head Cubs. coaches mm-hmm. yeah. um, and became NBA head coaches. And so... The trend is kind of fitting. If you have some type of head coaching experience, mm-hmm. it's going to help you. So the best way to do that is um, or try to find that option and find that route and go along with it. It's funny. You and Fred Van Fleet have a pretty good relationship. And I know his his model was bet on yourself, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's also, you know, one, a testament to the, to the work that you put in and in the investment that you put in and obviously keeping good relationships. That's, that's what's been, you know, at the foundation of everything. But... You know, that same model, I feel, is what you were able to apply when you're weighing. Because a lot of people wouldn't have really put a pause on the on the Raptors, on the Toronto Raptors when they were when they're saying, OK, here's a here's a job. Like, especially you know, being a, especially a guy from Toronto, right. a guy, hometown yeah. guy, yeah. You know, <clears throat> contracts in front of you. Here's a job with mm-hmm. Toronto Raptors. And you really don't know what's what's happening in front of you what's, mm-hmm. or what's going to happen to really just say, OK, let me put this on pause. That's really, you know, that's some forward that's next thinking. next level thinking for right? sure. Some yeah. forward thinking. And then obviously it unfolds and everything happens the right way, like you're where you're supposed to be. Sometimes if you got to leave town for the right opportunity, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really the story of Canada. Sometimes you got to jump into the States mm-hmm. to, to really get to really get that going. For sure. And, and the biggest thing, like even speaking with Jay Triano, um, you know, he was with the Toronto organization for a long time before you got this opportunity with Portland and with Phoenix and now with Charlotte. And he was like, man, one of the things I wish I did when I was younger was just go. He said, you get an opportunity, go. Like, think about it. But more times than not, like, you need to put in. yourself in different situations with different front offices. You know different people. When it's your time to strike and get an opportunity at a, at a different position, you know more people. Your net is wider. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that's how you had to think. And like Nick, who is the head coach that obviously saw something in me there, was saying, 
you know, being a head coach in the G League is like five years experience as a front of the bench head coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and being an assistant is like being five years uh, behind the bench. And there's like, there's so many things that you need to take into, into account, account mm-hmm. to try and move up. And uh, because he, if you look at it right now, guys that have some type of head coaching experience at some level are all on the front of his bench, mm-hmm. right? And so he values that and, and because you have to start thinking like that to see what you would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes not suggesting what, you know, he probably won't want if mm-hmm. you've had that experience as a head coach. Yeah, now I, you talked about how important getting out there is. Um, when you were with 905, you, you did some summer leagues with Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you look at the summer league uh, as an opportunity to broaden your circle? Uh, to, to network, uh, did you look at that as a place where you were trying to advance your career as a coach? Yeah, I think I think the summer league is um, is a great opportunity to meet as much people as you can in, in, in a two week time. And mm-hmm. this is where all 30, 30 organizations, front office, everybody's eyes I mean, on you got what's going on. European, European everybody's there. It's everything. The, the Mac of um, basketball in the summer. And so, I mean, for me, I think you're networking, you're meeting people. You're learning. I think we had a guest coach on our staff with Toronto, Alex, um, Alex Durkic. He, he's the head coach of Red Star, I believe. Okay. And um, he was he was great tactically, offensively. And I would just pick his brain at lunch and, and breakfast, and he was showing me certain things. I was like, what do you think about this pick and roll, Joe? And he's like, well, if you put the big on this angle, it causes this guy to move here. And I was like, Okay. And that, was, <laughs> that was big Duly enough noted. for me. I mean, the, the network there, the people there, mm-hmm. the things that you can learn yeah. um, was great. And uh, Summer League, I looked at Summer League as that, just, just to go and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you're getting more responsibilities in Summer League mm-hmm. than you normally do through your season. So, again, those are just reps. So, as far as one from the basketball component, I'm going to ask some multi-layered question two two questions really as far as a basketball component and basketball per se what's the biggest thing that you've learned that is a difference from from college to the nba and you know so for anybody that's an aspiring culture aspiring to enter the the you know the world of the nba business or nba as a culture and or anything from that aspect what what advice would you have given would you give them um. So first, the basketball side, the biggest difference or the biggest thing you've learned from basketball component. Well, I would say it's the variety. Um, and when I mean variety, it's the the amount of things that you can do within a game. Um, it's not just played one way. Or I've been doing this for twenty years, so and we've been successful. So this is what we're gonna do. For hey, sure, you know, and, and you know, it's funny he says that because <laughs> we bump heads all the time at this this whole notion three point is the best shot in, in the game and so forth. We've been back and forth since forever and we'll never agree on it. And you see him looking at me crazy. But you also you also heard him say there's not one philosophy to basketball. So no, that's no. fair though. So that's that's that's, that's that. fair. So yeah. that that's the biggest thing and then just just in general, the question why. I think it gets asked a lot and sometimes how you answer it is, is the key to how things change. Or your understanding of what's going on. Um, as a player, if a player asks you, hey, we're going to do it this way, we're going to cover it this way, and he says, why? Mm-hmm. I think in college, a lot of times, your head coach is upset. Yeah, you're asking him, that for yeah, yeah. Why are you asking? Yeah. 
but in the NBA, if a player asks you why, you need to be able to explain it. Oh, absolutely. Do you think? And I think that's the big difference in terms of growth between you and your relationship with the player. Mm-hmm. And once your player knows that you're invested in them and trying to make them understand, mm-hmm. or sometimes when they ask why, you start to second guess what oh, you're yeah. doing. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of a story when we were in New York. Uh, D'Antoni was the coach <laughs> at the time. Uh, they had made the trade: uh, Gallinari, Wilson Chandler. Uh, they brought in. Um, uh, Chauncey Billups, Carmelo Anthony, and it was the first day of film, or no, sorry, uh, first week of film that they were there. Played a game, uh, we're watching film, and, and Chauncey Billups goes, what are we going to do on defense here? And D'Antoni goes, I will figure it out. Chauncey Whoa. goes, fuck you mean we're going to figure it out? <laughs> no, we're going to figure it out right now. Because it's a different level of professionalism. Wow. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's these, these guys take their job very seriously. It's how they make their income. Um, you're looked at as an equal, I'm imagining, as a coach, as opposed to, you know, more of a subordinate as a player in college. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that that why is, is a huge aspect to have as a coach and being able to explain yourself and, uh, and, and get on the same page in terms of that. Well, th- there's someone there's someone in Charlotte who I would imagine could walk into the locker room at any time, maybe give some advice, and the players oh, aren't going to ask him a question back, or even the coaches. I'm not going to waver. Have Have you met the man himself? Do you have you have you had conversations with him? Of course, I'm talking about MJ. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you work for Michael Jordan. That, I mean, has to be a pretty cool aspect of your job maybe it's not but i would imagine as someone who grew up in toronto playing basketball yeah hi michael jordan's my employer <laughs> right, yeah. gotta be cool um no definitely cool there's a world of knowledge there um i feel like he's taking more of just a business stance and how he's dealing with things and from ownership um allowing gm to do what he needs to do allowing the coaches to do what he needs to do and step in where necessary mm-hmm. um doesn't he, he'll come at the beginning of the year and say what he has to say um, expectations of a team and, and, and um, talking about players and their value um, and he kind of lets guys rock man. Mm-hmm. he kind of lets guys do what they need to do um, but a lot of the players have a good relationship with him because if you're not signed with Nike, Adidas, Puma um, a lot of the other guys on our team are signed with Mike uh, and, and their their brand is Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, they work so, for him twice, <laughs> <laughs> so they're receiving stuff. And I feel like they have a personal relationship. Like you know, me and Bismack Biombo are real close. But him and Mike are real tight because he drafted him like mm-hmm. way back when. So um, the relationship piece is, is definitely there with a lot of the players. Um, for the coaches, you know, he says hello. He comes in. Um, congratulates on wins when he's around, and, and it's great from that standpoint. I'm going to go back to your why aspect, be able to to answer that. Do you think that's also a reason why um, there's been, you know, sort of a shift in head coaches, the player coaches per se? Because uh, I know you're also somebody that aspires to be a head coach and going, I shouldn't even say aspire, you're going to be a head coach, like you know, going and then, to be, yeah, yes. speaking into existence, going to be a head coach. And then there's obviously this, this movement now of a lot of um, player coaches. Yeah, well, the former I think players that having that relatability to answer and deliver how we communicate that why mm-hmm. allows us to have a better understanding. There's, there's a respect aspect there yeah. too from players, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, always they always want to know where you play that. Can sure. you make a jump shot? Yeah. Can you make a left hand layup? Like, <laughs> Can you do what you're telling me to do? Right. And, yeah. And I always took kind of pride on being on court and like at least be able to show you what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but uh, just to ask your question from the player standpoint, former players. 
are looking for opportunities to be head coaches, um, and they don't want to be looked at as just a relator. They don't want to be looked at as just the the defensive guy. They want to be looked at as somebody as a tactician who can game plan um, and manage. Mm. And the big thing as our league is getting younger, uh, to be able to reach those 20, 21, 22-year-olds and be able to grab them by the shirt and put them in situations to be successful on and off the court is extremely important. And that's what really pulls teams together a lot of time. And, and the experience needed from that player standpoint is needed. So mm-hmm. if there's coaches that haven't played in the NBA, for sure you're seeing two, three assistants that have mm-hmm. at the front of the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So um, like Ty Lue, Sam Gussell, they they've done that. Doc Rivers played in the NBA. Like these guys – have great resumes as players, and it's continuing to happen. I mean, it's probably not the best thing for me. Who didn't play <laughs> um, that's expiring to be a head coach, but um, that question why is is big, mm-hmm. um, and it actually dates back to a company. It's IDEO. Um, they're a big time um, company that comes up with things that people will refer to them in Microsoft. Like, okay, the new keyboard is coming out. Mm-hmm. And one of their models is why. Like, you have to ask the question why five times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and try to answer it. And every time it comes out, it's like, okay, well, we have a new keyboard. Why? Because it's cordless. Why? Why why do we need a cordless keyboard? Because now you're you're more mobile and the things of this nature allow you to be great across the room. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? Because now... People need social distancing, and, and yeah. the monitor is going to be yeah. on the road. And now we can help. Ha- and so they keep so going there's to credibility that behind it. Yeah. To the fifth why is the real reason. Yeah. And to be honest, a lot of people don't want to answer that all the time. Well, wow. it sounds like a little kid too, right? <laughs> well, why? Well, yeah. why? Well, why? Well, for sure. Uh, you want to go? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Um, you, you know, you you inherited a plethora of talent uh, on your in transition to Charlotte uh, with your rookie class, you know, PJ Washington. Um, and you know potentially the biggest, most improvement, uh, most improved player snub Devonte Graham. Um, we know that's a guy that you've developed a pretty good relationship, with, and I want to know what your relationship with him is like. Uh, you know, just for everybody out there who doesn't know, he went from averaging four point seven and two point six assists per to eighteen point two and seven point five assists, and finished six overall in three pointers made in the league. So, I think that's a great testament to your uh, your uh, your um, body, of work. Yeah, body of body work, of fuck work, fuck me, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I want you to talk about a little bit of your relationship with him and, and what it's been like working with the the young class that's coming to Charlotte. Um, it, man, it's been great. Those uh, Devonte is a four year guy in college, obviously, mm-hmm. um, big time worker, great kid, great smile, um, lights of the room, great personality, and um, just. He's been on his grind ever since he's been in there. You know, he's a second-round pick. He has a little chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And all the things he's done up in this point has been a testament to him putting in the work. Um, I was assigned to him mm-hmm. um, to try and help him, and I could a little bit mm-hmm. try to show him, but he's the one out there, you know, um, shooting it, making sure he's getting to workouts, making sure he's putting in the time. And I just happen to be blessed to be around a guy like that. See, he likes to take a humble approach. Oh, exactly. This, this, I was going to say, no, you don't go from averaging four to 18. These guys, these guys are proper... young. They're looking for guidance. And without that, without that structure, without that knowledge, and without the ability to deliver that, mm-hmm. 
it doesn't resonate with them and they don't make changes in, sure. in their game and, and yeah. who they are on the court and off the court. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want to take the credit, but I'll give it to him because, Absolutely. you know, I've seen it in myself. I shot 18% from three one year and the following year I was overseas <laughs> and, and shot 40% from three. And that go. was, you know, that was all credit to him. So it's a credit to Nat himself. And it's the same, it's the same thing you're here, say, seeing here. I think you said Devontae averaged four points mm-hmm. one year and 18, the, 18 next, of, yeah. the following year, right? There was something that switched there. Obviously, he was always putting that work, but now the ability to apply it and mm-hmm. what, there's something that changed and that mm-hmm. change was, you know, working with the right person. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw, I mean, like, he, he was sixth in the NBA and made threes. I, I, I He made threes in college. Um, did, was he going to get the same opportunity? Nobody knew, right? Kemba left. Tony retired. Mm-hmm. We signed Terry Rozier, right? He went from the G League to a backup in the NBA, and then he was a backup, and then exploded at the beginning of the season, ended up being a starter. Timing and situation, you know what I mean? man. Yeah. Timing situation, but like that grind to go from G League to starter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no one gives you that, and I, and I hated the fact that as I saw people. Well, he just got more shots. So this, uh, you have to earn more shots. Absolutely, yeah. he gives you more shots. Like he was, he was coming off the bench. So for sure, clearly, you take shots you that shots. your teammates don't feel comfortable yeah. and that you're taking in the league. They'll let 100%. you know. Your ass will be on the bench. Back too. is definitely not equal opportunity. Right. For sure, and he's sitting there watching Kemba do certain things for a whole year, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, you have the same capability in terms of shooting off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And the pick and rolls are going to be played like this. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to have to shoot. You're going to make a certain amount every day this mm-hmm. summer. And these are the shots you're going to have to make. But it's things like that. And, and knowing how and when to take those shots, giving mm-hmm. him that confidence, instilling that within him, that I'm sure opened that, you know, you had the talent. Mm-hmm. But as far as having yeah. the ability to, to put it into motion. And having what somebody you that believes in you. Yeah, that, exactly. That speaks volumes, mm-hmm. too. Like, you know, you know when, he looks, when he's on the court, he looks over at the bench. You guys make contact. He knows, like, okay. Coach believes in me. Like mm-hmm. we've been in the gym, we 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 work together. So you know that this is this is a craft for me. This is an art for me. It's mm-hmm. not. Just, I'm not just yeah. pulling this shit out my ass. Like mm-hmm. we've we've done this, and just having that battery in your back, you know, set, brings you to another level in itself. Yeah. And the guys that gave me confidence, to be honest, were like, I walk in first time in the NBA, and and Kemba Walker does something on the floor, who's already been an All Star. Yeah. And he comes to me, and he's mm-hmm. like, Yo, what do you see? You think I should be doing this? I love that. And I'm like, I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you got to that pass. And then uh, K walks like, all right. But then it, as the season went on, yeah, it, it kept happening. Uh-huh. And uh, he left this year, and the fact that he let me coach him like that mm-hmm. allowed me to look at Devonte like, hey, bro, like you got to do this. <laughs> I, I'm Kemba, you know, kind of gassed me. Kemba so, came to me. Yeah. and when Kemba left and his first game back in Charlotte, it was like on a big game on TNT, and, I, and he was warming up. I interrupted him. I said, "Listen, man, all shit aside, like I respect the fact that you allowed a guy like me to mm-hmm. come in here first time in the NBA. You've been an All Star, and you let me coach you. Mm-hmm. You don't really walk into situations a lot of the times with a lot of people. You've heard about some people are hardheads or not, but." For him, that that was, and for me, that was big time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, big shout out to K. Wap. Th- th- this is the kind of basketball chat <laughs> that I am in this room for. <laughs> yeah. th- th- this is this is amazing. And for the record, you know, doing a little broadcasting here, I, I go to our coach, our producer Dan Wong, for go. a little reassurance here, <laughs> here as well. Uh, a, a little break here as uh, we shout out our sponsor, Henderson Brewery. In Toronto, the best beer is the beer you love. Thanks to Henderson for uh, for sponsoring our show. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I want to stay with the Hornets, Coach, and I I really liked what I saw from, from this young team in the past season after you know, being on a several years of, of struggle. And I, I do see a team that's on the way up. And I think while the East is getting a little top heavy with Kevin Durant coming in, um, I do think playoff spots are going to be available for a team like the Hornets in the next season, when, whenever that is. The NBA draft is coming up. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you who the Hornets are taking. I don't. I don't know how much you're in those conversations. You can't tell us anyway. But there have been a lot of uh, the draft boards um, have Lamelo Ball going to the Hornets at, at the number three spot. I guess the way I would phrase the question is, what kind of a player, or maybe what position, or what what are the Hornets' needs uh, to become a team that can jump into playoff contention? perhaps through the draft, but maybe through free agency or trades as well. What what can get... the? I'm sure the goal is to make the, the playoffs. Right. What additional pieces are needed to get the Hornets there? Um, to be honest, it's all about acquiring talent. Um, and what I've learned in the NBA is that, I mean, especially organization, they've stressed we're, we're going to take the best player available. Um, if you look at the last draft when we took P.J., we already had Marvin Williams, we had Cody Zeller, we had Bismack Biombo, we had uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, we had Miles Bridges playing the four, we had William Herron Gomez. I just ne- mentioned six bigs, and we went and drafted another big. And we were, at the beginning of the season, we we're like, man, maybe PJ's going to come off, you know, G League. But we had a lot of bigs going into free agency as well, so it was security. PJ plays well training camp. We start him. And starts every game for the rest of the season. The first game, I think he set a record for most threes um, in a game by a rookie. And so, if, if that's the path and what they're what they're doing, I think they're going to take the best player. And, and acquiring assets is important in this league. Um, and it's our job as coaches to make the pieces work, mm-hmm. fit them in, get the best players. Um, and that's what we're paid to do. And, and as a front office, that's what they're paid to do: try to get the best talent. Uh, yeah, moving on from uh, from Charlotte for a little bit. Uh, we know that you worked with uh, the Giants of Africa, uh, Basketball Without Borders. Did you work closely with Masai on that? And what was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah, man. Um, I never forget. Like he called me. I think it was three summers ago. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, that was the 2016. I remember it like yesterday. I got it because I just worked with the national team mm-hmm. for the first time. I came back from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, what an experience. I went to Italy, Croatia, and the Philippines within mm-hmm. a month span. Mm-hmm. And I sat down, went to Summer League, landed from Philippines, went to Vegas mm-hmm. right away. So whatever 12-hour plus 3-hour shift <laughs> to the West Coast that was, yeah. it was crazy. And then I'm like, finally, I got back from Some Vegas rest, after two R&R. weeks. Yep. I had like a week. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to get to relax. Yeah. And Masai hits me. He's like, hey, man, we need a coach to go to Africa with us. We're going to be gone for about four weeks, I said. All right, <laughs> and like nice. that that summer of 2016 yeah. was 
like my most travel summer, and that was an unbelievable experience. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to go to Senegal, Nigeria, and Ghana, um, places I've never been before in my life. But to be able to help the kids, help the youth, help yeah. the, the community coaches um, was huge. Did it? Uh, did Did it surprise you at all to see? Uh, you know how big of an impact basketball had on the world as a whole i mean there's now 47 basketball without borders prospects in the nba mm-hmm. um, so it just goes to show you what kind of an impact that makes but does it surprise you to to see the global impact of basketball i don't I, mean, I think what's happened is people are um given resources all over the world too so mm-hmm. kids are picking up a ball and finding a net and mm-hmm. trying to play and reason why soccer was probably big for so long is because all you, you just easy, the ball, right? you just kick it around, you can make a goal, yep. whatever. You, know, it's, you can't just make a basketball net, mm-hmm. like a makeshift from home. Um, and that's one of Masai's things, too, was going back to these countries, s- certain cities, and building courts, um, just like the court he just opened up, I, I believe, a year ago with um, Obama mm-hmm. in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when kids have a court, basketballs, shoes, and jerseys and shorts to play. It's equipment and opportunity. It's equipment and opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And now you're just, the community coaches are involved. You're building them up. You're, you're educating them on how to teach the game. Mm-hmm. Now you can see it because, I mean, the kids over there are unreal. Oh, yeah. Unreal. Uh, and sometimes you just need the ability. I remember we were in Nigeria. I counted 17 kids above 6'7", all under 17-year-olds. Jesus Christ. So, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> just need to work. It's a gold mine for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's been... Since 2016, that's been a jam-packed four years in terms of, you know, where you've been, where you've traveled, and just the different experiences. How do you manage or how do you manage that, you know, one stepping into the NBA and just being the new the rookie at that time and then having these, these you know, these stars around, these all-stars, and then, you know, your national team first experience, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, Masai pick up his phone and call you and say, we need a coach. Yeah. Like, how do you remain level-headed enough to be able to produce and still you know perform at, at your highest capacity so that you can continue to grow like that, that's tough that's a lot of pressure right for sure you know, and as far as even you know your your confidence goes and so forth just walking into that those environments and seeing you know it's tough like you said players may not respect you other coaches may not respect you like it's it's a dog it's daunting sometimes you. especially daunting, when, when these right? people have been in the business they know the game you know you're coming yeah. in as you know you know like, fresh off exactly so, yeah. how you how you manage you that you have to have a level of confidence but i mean like uh for me uh all those experience like i feel advanced me and <laughs> pushed me forward so fast i've been in the nba two years mm-hmm. um and I've coached with Scott, who's been under Brad Stevens, right? So I'm there stealing stuff from Brad Stevens, my first year in the G League. Mm-hmm. Then I, my first year in the G League with the Raptors 905, I was with Jesse, who coached for George Carl, right? So now I'm getting George Carl and Dwayne Casey. I got George Carl, Dwayne Casey, and um, Brad Stevens, right? And then I'm getting Jerry Stackhouse the next year. I'm learning <laughs> from him. So Jerry played in the NBA for 18 years, um, 11 different teams. Yeah. So you're thinking it's a plethora 18, of knowledge right there. That's eleven to twelve. Some coaches twice. Listen, he would tell a story, man. Van Gundy used to do this, uh-huh. right? And then Rick Carlisle did this. So I'm getting Rick Carlisle, Van Gundy in my brain. Yeah. Right. And then I, then I, the national team I'm with Jay Triano. So he's giving me a little bit of uh, my coach there in Portland. Um, drawing oh, a man. blank. Me too. Slots. Uh, Slots. Terry Slots. Right. Big time offensive guy. 
and and Jay in his own right with all the international experience he's had. I'm stealing stuff from him, right? And then the next year I'm with Roy Rana, who's been around the FIBA game. Yeah. And then the next year, the next time I was with the national team is with Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. 25 years of coaching experience with all the things with Raptors. And my coach now is James Borrego, who coached 10-plus years in San Antonio, who won championships. So I'm getting Greg Popovich. So you're just a sponge. My brain right now is like <laughs> unreal of two years in the NBA. But um, that's really helped me speak to players and try to spit experiences. And I'm a type of guy is... I'll put on the 2000 finals mm-hmm. and watch it over with my brain. Now is mm-hmm. not compared to when the 2000 is and I'm seeing certain things and explaining it. So, um, you, so you're taking that confidence from the knowledge you gained from everybody else. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And the more I, I watch, the more I read and that's really what has kind of helped me at least stay level. And at the end of the day, I'm not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it keeps me grounded. So it doesn't keep you stagnant. Yeah. That's, that's a tough spot to be in because as much as you want to soak up as an assistant coach from, from all these greats and, and you still have to have a level of humility being an assistant, but at the same time you have to be confident and be, have conviction enough so that when you, you don't make a suggestion, your head coach listens. And people have like to have that confidence in you as well. That's a hell of yeah. a balance to yeah. have because you still have to have a voice for people to believe in you and trust you. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Do you keep a notebook? Um, my brain is my notebook. I've always been told to keep more of a scrap, but I, I, if you walk into my house in Charlotte, I'll have a whole bunch of play, plays just written down on papers, um, napkins, yeah. uh, things are crazy. Um, I try to do as much as I can, um, to try and remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably the most, probably the, yeah, the most thing I do is just like pop on old games and try to compare it. Why? Why was the field goal percentage so high back then? Um, there had to be some type of efficiency if we're telling our guys not to shoot mid-range shots, mm-hmm. right? That would be to Shep's point, right? But then I would say in, in 2000, around the league, the average amount of three-pointers being shot was 13.3. Mm-hmm. And now we're in 2020, and every team is taking 33.3. Oh, yeah. So 23 is more per game. If you can't shoot it right now, you're going to struggle. You're done. You're out of the league, yeah. Um, so it just changed the game. So, how, how much does how much does Synergy, uh, for people who, do, who don't know, Synergy is a platform uh, with statistics analysis for every team, every individual player, you know, every stack going left, going right, you know, how many dribbles you take with, you know, on one side of the court. It's very uh, analytical and very broken down. How much does that help with um, you breaking down players and, and, and do you use it, do you source it regularly? Very little. Very little. Wow. So they've, they've upgraded. <laughs> they've upgraded to a new system. Um, oh, they upgraded from Synergy. Well, well Synergy, Synergy like, sounded pretty good. No, yeah. Synergy's still there. And people, like a lot of colleges use it. And okay. Things, but NBA now, they have um, another thing. It's called Second Spectrum. Okay. And a lot, if you watch like ESPN, it's like Second Spectrum Man, I've been says this game for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, four, you know, he's making 45 dribbles per did it, like yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You can I can type in a pick and roll combination of hard heads go under. Yeah, I can yeah. literally type that in. Yeah. I want to see Chris Paul against unders going right. Okay, I, I can that type specific? that in, and wow. it would show me everyone uh-huh. and the amount. Right, so Jesus, um, it's a little bit different from synergy because you can get those things. Yeah. If I want to look at somebody's finishing around the rim. Uh-huh. I, you can get a raw number on Synergy, right? But now I can pull up. You can put up video to that. I can look at 
you're you're finishing around shot blockers like Giannis, AD, uh-huh. Brook Lopez, uh, Joel Embiid. So instead of the you're finishing against the whole league, I want to see how you're finishing Specifics. against specific wow. shot blocking. That gives me a better read because mm-hmm. a lot of the an- analytics and the numbers that we read sometimes, yeah. again, it's on a whole. That doesn't really see, mean see, what's this, happening. This, 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 this is this a lot would, better that we retired when we did because they would have had us figured out. This would have been in my head. <laughs> yeah. I would have yeah, came down the lane thinking Joel okay. and B block shots 70% of the time <laughs> okay. going down this way. I'm fucked. See, <laughs> and then... Uh, the stats are great. I love it for you know conversations like this or any mm-hmm. broadcasting that I do because you can you can find stats to apply. But yeah. I'm, but I'm slightly indifferent because at the same time the game isn't you know it's played by humans. It's not algorithms. There's more to it for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not hard to just always apply stats for me. Like mm-hmm. your your perception, your interpretation of it might be different because you want to be able to quantify things for your players. So it's for me, you got to find a balance. For sure. Yeah. I, I, Thing I mean, stats, analytics. I think it's gonna give you a base. You still mm-hmm. gotta play the game. You still gotta find it right, and it's always gonna come down to points per possession, regardless. What do you do the best in whatever area for that particular person? Is all that matters. So you can you have to guard them that way defensively. Uh-huh. Are you gonna uh-huh. be a defensive coach or offensive coach? Offense. Wow. 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 I like and, it. And I like come, that. The crazy thing is, this coming from a defensive player. Like right, this, is a defensive yeah. specialist. Clamp. Yeah. Sir, it but, clamps a lot. I mean, I mean, offense helps defense, defense helps offense, but like, if you can't score, you can't win. Right. Point blank. So you like the D'Antoni, you're more going to err on that side. Yeah, you got to score. You got to score. <laughs> yeah, it's like soccer too, right? You got to score, man. You can't have these 0-0 zero, zero no games. Draws, man. I remember working on some of those too, and I remember somebody saying the object of the game is to score to win. It's Absolutely. Stopping the other guy is important. But uh, w- one thing I... I, I wanted to talk to you about coach is geography and it, there's two reasons for it one of them is our our standing in toronto and we're all here and we've all seen basketball grow immeasurably really in the last i guess 10 years especially the last 20 you're now in north carolina hoops heaven um it starts really at, at, on the high school courts it's s- super huge in the uh, the college gyms, Duke, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest. It just goes on and on. And I, I would like to hear what you have learned in your time there about the importance of the, of the sport in that state. But before we get to that, I, I really want to address some news about the Raptors possibly not playing the next season in Toronto. And then this brings us into the pandemic and the quarantine issue. You know, that would make it impossible for teams to come into Canada to play if they have to sit out for two weeks. So there have been, you know, multiple reports now in the last couple of weeks that the Raptors might play in Louisville. And then uh, Her Patrick, most recently Kansas City as well. Well, yeah, Kansas Patrick City. Mahomes tweeted... Uh, Bring him, bring him to Kansas City. Yeah. Um, and, and while we've been talking, I actually just saw a tweet from uh, Woj that the, the NBA schedule is going to be released in two halves. So the first half of the season is going to be released, and then the second half there's, it so won't the, be released so that there's some flexibility. Are they aiming for a midseason break? I, I, I didn't have a I didn't have a chance to okay. see that, but I, I I don't know if the All Star Game is going to be part of the picture this year. It, an All Star Game with no fans, it just yeah. And where was it this year? It was a very underwhelming it was city, Indiana. 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 Yeah, okay. can't see that being a yeah, place I, where guys want to party. I think, I think that's going to get dropped. Yeah, but I, how, how do you think that affects the whole league if the team can't play in 
Toronto this year. We saw it with the Blue Jays. I I don't think it was as much of a factor in baseball, but, you know, Toronto's a team that won the championship uh, under two years ago. We know the players love coming here. Um, It's become one of the top fan bases in the world in sports, and now you're looking at a, a potential scenario where... You know, the whole league might be going to Louisville or Kansas City or Seattle or even Vegas. I, I don't know. But I, I, I'm really interested with you being a, a coach in the league, your perspective on what it might be like to miss out on one of the cities in the league this year. Um, I think it would be huge, man. For me, uh, speaking selfishly, I guess, it would hurt me. I circled <laughs> that day. Those 36 Sometimes hours. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, first, the first year we only got to play here once. The last year we got to come here twice. Um, so it would hurt me for sure. Um, hopefully they can get this under wraps. I know that they're trying the rapid testing mm-hmm. now that would allow, you know, to not do the whole 14-day quarantine, which would be big. Um but this is what we're dealing with. We're, we're going to have to try and figure out. The NBA has, uh, I know they lost some money. I think there was another thing that came out today about 10% of revenue came down. Um, and uh, I think they made back like $1.5 billion just going to the bubble. Um, so, um, I mean, I know this thing comes down to money at sometimes, And they, they got to make the right decisions and put people in the right places. Um, and if that means if Toronto has to go to a new city for for the whole NBA to work out and it's thirty teams, then then that's what yeah, it has to do. Got to um, keep the business in motion. Yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. there's far less implication because at this point you don't know if there's there's going to be fans or not, and, and we're going to err on the side of not having fans, mm-hmm. considering it's you know there's a they're looking for a, a late December start. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that there may not be fan or there isn't going to be fans, it's it's it's, it's less impactful because just the other day the bubble every team was in Orlando, right? Everything is going to be broadcast. It's all digital um so from that standpoint it doesn't hurt as much but it, it, it you we need sports right we need sports for the sanity of everybody and, and obviously the nba has done a great job of, in being forward thinking taking the necessary protocols to keep everybody safe and and you know have this thing going so i think out of you know all the major leagues adam silver and the rest of the nba has done a great job in, in you know their protocols and, and everything every other measure that they've taken to keep this thing going now if there was fans i think okay this would be a harder hit because now you're affecting you know the competitive advantage that each team would have playing the raptors so mm-hmm. hopefully you know hopefully they don't have to go just for for their sake obviously they would love to play in their, their own arena and and you know this rapid this rapid testing can be something that's implemented a lot sooner than later but um you know, it's gonna be tough, man. Can't the Kansas City Raptors? Yeah, Oof, brutal. Doesn't, that sound, doesn't even sound good. There's, doesn't n- have there's a nice nothing. Ring I've, to I've it been out there. Once. There's nothing out there. There's <laughs> nothing out there. Now, I'm, I'm, Mahomes on line one. I'm watching. I'm watching the ticker on the European basketball situation. Uh, I know that Zalgiris in Lithuania they mm-hmm. are opening their stadium, and it's about I think it's a fifteen thousand capacity seat gym, and they're opening it up to three hundred people. Um, now I know that you know. Each team or uh, each league every week is have, having about three or four positive tests. Yeah. So to open it up to an, another element, you know, the NBA had no positive tests and, and no other professional league can say that, which is a testament to what Adam Silver has done. But, uh, you know, as far as the business aspect of the NBA goes, it's going to have to move on. And I think they're going to do it accordingly to, uh, you know, the safety protocol first and then the business side second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Now, I want to ask you about real quick about uh, about Crown League here in Toronto. Yes, sir. Um, uh, we, 
we know that uh, you know the, the the summer basketball league here has picked up big time. Um, where does Toronto stack up against other other summer pro leagues? Um, and I, I know one love to came away with the championship this year, uh, despite the fact that our guy Shep dropped 24 in the final game. Uh, where do you see it going? Uh, where do you see we, so, we were in the finals every year, weren't we? Uh, pretty much. I, I wish we would have had more help to our left that just turned us down every year, though. Wow. That would be AR. shots fired, shots fired, fired, you got, fired. You got to give me more background on this. Who who uh, who was on this team? Well, I were, mean, you were coaching it. I, I was coaching the team. Okay. We we had some guys, you know, Joel Anthony. We had Jermaine Anderson, Javon Shepard. Wow. Pretty much all the guys that normally work out with me, and I. <laughs> break my back to rebound for <laughs> said you know what you know we'll come and play for your team um for me it was just reps uh great rep for me to manage a team in a short span of time like, man we can really use a guy who can shoot the ball really <laughs> <laughs> but what's the chance <laughs> it was andy and every week i'd ask andy he'd be like mm, ah you know nah. i haven't heard this it's yeah. rough man yeah, yeah. um and we had some young guys play for us, RJ, uh, Shea Gill, just Alexander, Andrew Nemhard. We always throw in a couple young guys to play with our older guys. Freddie played w- one year, right? With us? No, uh, Norm Powell. Norm Powell. Yes, yes, won, yes, yeah, yes. Norm Powell. We, won, we had Norm Powell, DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright, yep. On our team. You're kidding. Uh, yeah. yeah. We are pretty good. Who's the, who's the lefty for the Raptors this year? He played as well, right? Rondé, Rondé Hollis, Jefferson. Yeah, he played. He played. The he didn't year play. We he lost in the past, finals. He, he played against. Yeah, he was, he was playing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Dylan yeah. Brooks was on that so, squad yeah. too. Who's yeah. this team that beat you? Dylan well, Brooks. Well, team? every year we had a different. We had different mm-hmm. players on our team. Um, so the one year, the year we won, we had Delon, Norm, Shep, Jermaine. Jermaine like it was. It was okay. pretty. Uh, can't believe Pretty I missed extensive. it. And then, the competitiveness is rising. And the, the fact that you year, guys have uh, the entire Ryerson facility yeah. that's Nike'd out, I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's a big I mean, draw. Nike, Nike did a huge big time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Dwayne Watson one time. Um, but, like... Sweets. Sweets. <laughs> the next year when we lost, it was funny, the, the, the week of the semifinals, you know, Shea just had got drafted. And Shea wanted oh, to play. Yeah, they pulled so him. Shea played with us. And we played the game. And we won the semifinals. And next week, Shea's on his way down to play the game. And he calls me. He's like, yo, I can't play. Dagger. Jerry West said, no, no. <laughs> Jerry West said, Jerry West. <laughs> Jerry West said, no. <laughs> nah, like, Jerry, well, I got to play this right, summer right. league game, man. You know, you can't do it. So yeah. I was like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Like, it's all right. So we, we just play with our regular guys. Um, and then la- they last minute, they put Dylan on their squad and Rondi Hollis Jefferson with Brady Heslib, Olivia Hanlon. They had a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Then we lost, like it was a tight game. It was like close. Three, it was two, close. three minutes to go. Dylan got hot at the end and made a couple of shots, um, closed out the game, but it's all right. Do you ever see it getting to the level of a Drew League? Um, I, I mean, Is that something to, that's feasible? I think so. I mean, to be honest, like... Toronto's a city where guys want to be, right? Yeah, from what I see, like even the Drew League... It, on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis in mm-hmm. the Drew, there's mm-hmm. really no difference. They have overseas guys playing. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is you get a video. The publicity um, on Instagram. That's, that's, yeah, what, that's what it James, is, man. The James Hardens and the DeMar DeRozans. Yep. Those guys go there and play that week, so it makes it seem a lot bigger mm-hmm. than what it is. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like all our young guys are getting to that level. So I feel like RJ's an all-star at some point. Shade's an all-star. You know, Wiggins, Corey, all these guys – are, are big time in the NBA and they go play one game and you video it and put it online. Mm-hmm. You, you, it All of a sudden, Toronto's right? a spot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like even in the OVO tournament, our team was 
uh, we had Shay, Nikhil, um, Kenneth Fareed mm-hmm. on our team. That's right. And, and on the other team, team they had Brandon Jennings, they had Stanley Johnson, mm-hmm. they had uh, Kelly Olenek. So, like, uh, Langston Galloway. I mean, if you think about it, it's like four or five, you know, NBA players, mm-hmm. almost seven NBA players playing on the court at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it definitely can get to that. I think, you know, you mentioned a lot of the Canadian guys that, that you've trained and so forth, but I think I'm actually really excited to see, you know, how those guys are all going to develop next year because there's a lot of them that I've seen over the last couple of weeks that are putting a lot of a lot of work and have seen improvements in their game that um, are yet to be seen on, on the NBA scale. And just, mm-hmm. you know, really excited. I can't really mention which guys per se, but... You know, they've, they've really locked in. And, and, you know, one thing I've noticed with a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys that you mentioned, it's no, it's no surprise, you know, um, by chance that they're in the situations or at playing at the level that they are because a lot of these guys are gym rats. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys are have really locked in. And not only do they just, you know, um, it's not it's not a thing where they just jump on the court, work out, and get out of the gym. Like, they're locked in. It's become oh, an artist. Become a you and I can attest to that. Yes. And they're, I mean, we see those boys in there every, every single summer day, getting after yeah. it. They love the work. And they're, the shows. They're, they're soaking up everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've yeah. seen them take... I've seen them take um, suggestions and advice from from Nat, but then even, you know, the guy that's sitting aside on, on the court that's just watching, or even a guy like myself or so mm-hmm. forth, that, that has no NBA ranks, mm-hmm. But they're still like sponges to the point, like okay, you've said something. Let me take it in. Let me internalize mm-hmm. it. Let me try and ad- apply it. Still see, remaining humble. It's yeah. still remaining humble. I'm like, that's huge. That's the key to that, success. That's man, huge sure. in, ter- in terms yeah. of how far, how high your ceiling can be. Is yeah. the fact that obviously it comes a point when there's there's too much, you know, hands in the cookie jar. But to say, but at the same time, the fact that these guys are at that level still have the the, the level of humility and still willing to receive and retain information from. You know, any and any, everybody just so that they can improve just says a lot about how hungry and, and their desire. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I thought uh, the, what you guys are telling me about the Crown League, we need to get that broadcast live on television. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Absolutely. mean, that, I, like, I knew it was competitive and I went a couple times, but I, I guess I was not up to snuff on who uh, some of these up and coming young players are. Um, Coach Nathaniel, we're, uh, we're at an hour. So we're going to wrap up. But I, I want to just ask you one last question. We're here with two former national team players. And it's something that always comes up when, when we have a discussion with these guys. It's about the, the national team. And, I, and I, I see you as a future head coach of that. I, it's obvious to me that the, one day you will have that position if it's something you ever wanted to do. I guess I want to ask you what involvement you may have in the upcoming year. And what are the what are the expectations for the national program? Whenever that qualifying event happens, can we get this group into the Tokyo Olympics? Yeah, I mean, um, right now Nick Nurse is the head coach. Um, he's done a great job implementing what he needs to do with our country um, and our program, um, and I've been there to just support that role and what he's. What he's done has been great, um, and we've all been on the page to expect to win, um, regardless of whether it's just the qualifications of getting to Tokyo or getting to Tokyo and winning. And um, stop putting in our thoughts of just making it and being, you know, representing the country. He wants to win, mm-hmm. um, so and that comes along the line of getting all our young guys in there, getting all our guys 
acclimated acclimated with each other and playing. Um, so I I see. I see a, gr- a bright future for us um, immediately, um, especially with that thought process that Coach Nick has, um, Coach Nurse has put in um, to our organization, and, and uh, especially with Rowan Barrett as well being aligned with that, being the general manager. Okay, optimistic. Love to hear it. Well, we are going to wrap it up here. Uh, Very special thanks to Nathaniel Mitchell, assistant coach of the Charlotte Hornets. We're grateful that you uh, took the time to come in and talk to us today. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Good. Good. Glad to hear that. Uh, Thanks to our entire cast and crew, producer Dan Wong, Mr. Javon Shepard, Mr. Andy Routens. I'm Dan Gladman, and we're going to do another episode of Gym Rats and Joints next week. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 